0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film, music and lyrics. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen it, just be aware that we may talk about the plot and there may be light spoilers. Enjoy. Music and lyrics; those are the things that make a song. Yeah.
0: <laughs> are you music or are you lyrics?
1: Um, well, one of us has to be music. One of us has to be lyrics. So I guess I'm going to be. I'm going to be music. Or did you want to be music? I'll fight no, you for it. No, that's fine.
0: I'll be. I'll be lyrics. <laughs>
1: good. Uh... I feel like you're good with words, and I'm good at making noises.
0: I'm well good at the word thing.
1: Yeah a proper wordsmith <laughs> or a words worth
0: yes exactly a wordsmith um i love good lyrics and i love bad lyrics what's your what song has your favorite lyrics
1: oh that's a really really good question actually i don't know because i feel like a lot of people listen to a song and they they sort of like the lyrics are ingrained into their brain instantly. But I'm not like that. I sort of take a few. Well, sometimes you listen to a song that you've you've listened over and over, and you hear a new lyric. Do you find that that like the lyrics don't go in right away? And obviously, it depends on who's singing. But yeah, I think what I really what I'm saying is that Eddie Vedder is my favorite lyricist because you have to listen to his songs a hundred times to know what just the five first five words are. Yeah, it is.
0: A hundred listens in and you get the gist of what's, what's being talked about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Um,
0: see, for me, I love, I like a good lyricist and obviously you've got some great ones out there. But for me, I think the most evocative lyrics to any song is The Chauffeur by Duran Duran, which is a bit of an, it's an odd, it's a very odd song. It's not the first song that people think of when they think of Duran Duran either, but it's got these incredible weird sleazy lyrics to it, um, which are just wonderful. Um, and I, and I like that kind of some, some people really like down to earth lyricists like Arctic monkeys guy. Um, yeah. Come on, yeah, mardy b- bum. <laughs> um, uh, and people really love that kind of thing sometimes or, uh the streets was another one when we were younger that people were talking about the quality of that lyrics and how yeah. it's really relatable but i prefer mine to have a quite a sort of um almost inscrutable feel to them and i like it when there's that kind of poetic element around it where you can read into it various different meanings um and that's that's what i look for in lyrics
1: yeah me too i think i think that's a that's a fair assessment i do like the sort of grubby down to earth stuff but there's a point where it just tips into being kind of absurd, absurdly sort of I'm just talking about my day now, which is what people do on YouTube and make lots of money. So maybe they're onto something.
0: Yes, but it's for me, at least I I don't care for that kind of you've got to be a very specific kind of musician to pull that off. Well, and I think some of some of Arctic Monkey stuff works. Um, some other people, I think, don't. Um, it really varies from artist to artist and I think it all comes down to having a cohesive feel to your music doesn't it?
1: Yeah for sure and you know to be fair on our other show Pod Durst where we talk about new metal we've actually given a lot of time to the lyrics of people like Fred Durst you can't say that he's not consistent right or that the lyrics to a song like Break (laughs) Stuff don't do exactly what you want it to do right?
0: Exactly exactly um uh, some some people they can be that blunt and direct and it really fits in well with the music they're doing um like like limp biscuit <laughs> lyrical genius fred dust yeah.
1: <laughs> give me stuff to break
0: yeah give me something to
1: break oh, it's something uh, to break your stuff. effing
0: face <laughs>
1: i always thought it was give me stuff to break
0: um what about weezer that I think I think Rivers Cuomo goes between the sublime and the ridiculous. Some of the lyrics to Weezer songs are wonderful, but then you also have songs like Where's
1: My Sex. Yeah, I was just or, about to say. Or Beverly
0: Hills, which are just big old dumb anthems.
1: Beverly Hills is good, though. Where's My Sex is bad. I well, l- Beverly I like Hills Beverly is a good Hills. song, it's a but
0: the, the lyrics aren't necessarily the most, <laughs> the most emotional, thought-provoking thing in the world.
1: No. But ultimately, it's about how, you know, we're all living in the gutter, but some of us are looking up at the stars and the stars in this case are celebs who live in Beverly Hills.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, Weezer is one of those weird examples, isn't it? Where I think, you know, you've got some some truly wonderful songs, don't you? And some truly wonderful lyrics.
1: Yeah, the oh, Blue no. Album, the first few albums especially, I think are really, really good and really evocative and really emotional in a way that you don't necessarily think of the sort of nerdy college rock that Weezer are. Or maybe you just think that they did that one song with the Happy Days video about Buddy Holly or that they did a song, got my asswipe, got my big cheese, got my hash pipe. But like, there's some <laughs> real gems there.
0: Yeah, no, there are, there are. Um, sweater Song. So the song is dope.
1: Yeah. Again, it's it's like three lines, but it's so evocative.
0: Yeah, and that's that's another sort of thing of it 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 can really work. Um, it yeah, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be over the top, and like you've also got people like Nine Inch Nails, which you know the lyrics to hurt this very iconic song. Yeah, um, and and they've got quite a lot of a lot of other tracks that have some really brilliant lyrics, um, equally ones that are maybe quite direct. Um, like March of the Pigs or, uh, or Heresy, which are very, very on the nose and blunt about their messaging, but work incredibly well. But then you've also got songs like Getting Smaller by Nine Inch Nails, which is one of their album tracks. Um, and one of the lyrics, which uh, uh, genuinely is some of the worst lyrics and funniest <laughs> lyrics I've ever heard in my life. Um, you've got Trent Reznor, uh, Oscar winner, Trent Reznor, Golden Globe winner. Oscar Trent Reznor, winner. Sing- yeah, he won. They won the Oscar for um, Social Network.
1: Oh, of course, yeah.
0: Best soundtrack for Social Network
1: for their cover of the Hall of the Mountain King.
0: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> um, but uh yeah, the lyrics of that song include the line, "I've got my arms a flip flop flip. I got my head on a spring." <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just
1: beautiful. That sounds like something from a kids' TV show. <laughs> yeah,
0: Um yeah. There's some. There's some wonderful, wonderful. Nine Inch Nails lyrics out there, uh, some stuff that's truly emotional and powerful, some stuff that's really uh, guttural and, and interesting, and then I got my arms a flip flop flip flop flip
1: <laughs> See, I've been listening to a lot of power metal recently, which is literally, no song is really distinguishable from another one, apart from maybe slightly faster or slower or might have a bit more harmonised guitars, but the lyrics are all the same. Our souls are on the wind, some dragons and kings and stuff, you know. Our spirits yeah. <laughs> will go on. We're running through fire and stuff, you know.
0: Valhalla gets several mentions. Valhalla,
1: yeah. We're in a, we're in a valley of the damned, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. There's, there's something comforting about the consistency of it.
0: Yeah, what more can you ask for?
1: Yeah. What can you ask for? But I remembered um, that probably my favourite lyricist of all time is John K. Samson, who is the frontman of The thans. You ever have oh yes,
0: yeah. I've I I don't mind the Week of Bands. They're, they're they're not one of my favourite bands, but that's because it's not necessarily a genre that
1: I I listen to horrible but industrial soft music. Canadian indie rock.
0: <laughs> yeah, so soft Canadian indie rock is something that I'll put on, but it's never gonna never gonna get me uh, super excited. Yeah, um, he's a real. Poet. They are a good band. They are a good band.
1: And I have a book of his lyrics and poems, and obviously you read you. It's got like basically. All of the lyrics from their albums, and then some kind of extra ones that were never recorded as songs, but that he put out as poems. And you you read them next to each other, and there's no difference between them really. Mm. Um, and that that sh- poetic quality really shines through. And he's a great sort of observational lyricist as well, but also, yeah, someone who's really good at putting putting great lines together um, on all sorts of themes and all sorts of topics as well. He's yeah, he's a genius. Yes. He released a song last year. Um, and the opening line was, I manage my fantasy baseball team better than I manage my anger these days. And it's all about oh, be- being angry at the news and stuff. It's, it's and of a course, really good, you, you so. like
0: it because baseball. Yeah, you just need to that's, mention that's, baseball. And I'm that's playing. as far as you got. baseball. That, remind, that does remind me, though, of another lyricist that I really love is Saul Williams, mm. um, uh, hip hop artist and poet and spoken word artist um, who's done loads of really interesting stuff over the years, released books of poetry as well. Um and really talks about complex themes in a very interesting way. It's one quite like him out there.
1: Yeah, that ability, as you say, to distill complex things and bring them to life and make them accessible through the medium of song is, is a real gift. And that's why some people need lyricists. Some people like Elton John, you know, he can't do it. He's no good with no, the words. Exactly. Needs another guy.
0: <laughs> there, for, for all of its sins, there's a very funny bit in South Park. Um, some of South Park is very funny some bits are not some bits are just deliberately offensive for no reason um, but there is a wonderful Joke where Chef, before, before Isaac Hayes left South Park, um, there's a, there's an episode that's all around Chef and it shows him meeting Elton John and <laughs> Elton John's playing a song in a, in a bar, in a dingy bar. And he sings a song where he's written the lyrics for and he goes, Hey ho, you're my cheddar cheese girl. You smell real good and you go well with wine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then obviously chef is the one who says hey i mean you're a great singer and a great pianist but yeah why don't you hire someone to write lyrics for you um and that is the origin of elton john uh, you know <laughs> not you shouldn't you should believe that over <laughs> over rocket man, rocket man which
1: is, which is very good actually we talk about that i love rocket
0: point. man yeah we should talk about that at some point it's a wonderful film um but, uh, but yeah, that, every so often that song will get in my head and I'll be thinking, God damn, that's a brilliant <laughs> song. <laughs> Do you, Do you know which girl? one from
1: um, from South Park always gets in my head? I'm a motherfucking gay fish, gay fish. <laughs> <It's just> so <laughs> stupid, but so good. Uh, uh, the Imagination
0: Land so... song as well is really good. <laughs> they got a real talent for, for musical moments.
1: Yeah, um, if you haven't seen it, it's an episode where they trick Kanye West into... Um, Saying that he likes to put fish sticks in his mouth. But they say sticks like dicks. That's the joke. Yeah, it's very puerile.
0: Do you like like fish sticks? And if you say yes, I say, well, what are you? A gay fish? And then Kanye West gets very annoyed. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah. There's also the one where... uh, (laughs) Also, I think it's a follow-up episode with Kanye West in uh, where he's getting angry at people referring to Kim Kardashian as a hobbit. And he sings a song that goes, my girl ain't no Harbit. (laughs) Please tell me I didn't marry no Harbit. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Yeah. So South Park, stop with the transphobia and being scared of annoying right wing Trump fans, which is what you've been doing for the last few seasons when you've been terrified of talking about politics again. um, Uh. And keep doing silly songs,
1: please. That's very bad. I've never like watched loads of it. I just dipped in here and there.
0: Yeah, they they basically, they did lots of stuff in the run-up to Trump getting elected and then were suspiciously quiet after that on political things. And they said, oh, there's nothing we can do that will be as, you know, we we kind of don't know what to do with it. Well, make fun of him. You're supposed to be satirists. Yeah. You know, that's the whole point of your show. (laughs) Why don't you actually go and make fun of Donald Trump? Is it because you're worried about upsetting your audience by doing that? I think it might be. Yep you know um so yeah for people who swear a lot and are like free speech maybe go and exercise that free speech to do something dangerous again instead of just making fun of minorities you useless fucks
1: yeah under the guise of defending people's right to say anything they want even if it's like hurtful to people even hate yes. speech yeah it's just that yeah, that's they, kind of like the satirists end up going one of two ways don't they they end up becoming like eating themselves and becoming all oh someone said I can't say this and now I'm right wing and that or they you know mature and then realise that yes it's important to push boundaries but that also maybe no hate speech
0: yeah and I think I think South Park they're they're those the the guys behind South Park are very much in that centrist mindset of we will make fun of everyone equally but actually what that boils down to is not making fun of everyone equally. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and yeah, not necessarily giving into pressure, but preempting pressure from certain large groups and kind of steering away from that. Yeah. Um, which is, which is always disappointing to see, you know, if you are going to speak truth to power, which is what people always say about free speech people like Piers Morgan. Everyone was like, uh, Piers morgan people were saying you know he he stormed off in a little tantrum because someone finally called him out on his bullshit and then he quit the show and people were saying oh but he spoke truth to power no he, didn't. no he didn't when did he ever properly speak truth to power he was occasionally right on issues like covid
1: yeah sometimes he was a bit hard on matt hancock when he was yeah. crying
0: <laughs> guess what <laughs> that's guess what that's what every journalist should be doing that shouldn't be a sign of a great journalist. That should be a baseline. <laughs> You're meant to ask politicians the hard questions as a baseline. Yeah. Don't, don't laud people for doing the bare minimum that their job entails.
1: Yeah. Anyway, he's gone to the, the idiot channel to British oh, has he? news. Oh, He's here.
0: going, he's going to Gamma News Network.
1: Gamma News Network. Speaking of Gamma, we'll get onto the film soon, don't worry. Speaking of Gammons, <laughs> did you know that UKIP's mayoral candidate for the for the London mayoral electorate, ele- London mayoral election, Jesus Christ, is called Peter Gammons?
0: I I did know this. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I see it because when it comes up in the opinion polls, it's like Gammons two percent. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious.
1: But the good news is that um, Lawrence Fox and the Reclaim Party are on literally zero percent. <laughs> that
0: doesn't surprise me, to be honest. Um... Do you get to vote in the mayoral elections no. where you are? No, you're, you're outside. We're of not in catchment. London
1: anymore. Sure, we sure. Used to I wasn't be.
0: sure how far out it went. Um, that's a shame. You couldn't go and give your vote to Sean Bailey, who <laughs> needs <He> <laughs> yeah.
1: every vote. He can the get. guy who thinks that homeless people can save up for a house deposit, among yeah. other other things.
0: A real winner. Yeah, <laughs> a real winner. Lovely guy. Um, <laughs> uh, and it, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Um. Obviously. Um. The. Uh. Obviously, Gammons is a very funny name for uh, a a UKIP politician, but their 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 leader used to literally be called Dick Brain, didn't it? Yep. <laughs> Which again, wonderful. Um, you, you Pat Mountain. Think that... Oh yeah. <laughs> um. And there is another crude, funny joke name for another. Um, another UKIP candidate, but I can't think of it off the name in my head. But it almost makes you think that UKIP is actually Paul just Nuttall.
1: Like a... <laughs> I mean, that one is Does he good. Like the nut um, at all?
0: <laughs> I was thinking more Nutter as an ableist slayer Oh yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it 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 almost makes you think that um, UKIP is like an an art project that's gone horribly wrong.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it was, it was someone's like university like dadaist drama thing that just got out of hand.
0: It's just got completely out of hand and it's become a monster of its own right. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, anyway, shall we start talking about the movie now?
1: Yeah, there's no need to talk about that. Music and lyrics. I was going to segue into it from when you were talking about the Isaac Hayes bit on um, South Park saying that was the origin of Elton John. I was going to say that was also the orig- origin of the film Music and Lyrics, but it wasn't.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> if only, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so you had seen this movie before?
1: Yes, I had. Had you?
0: I had not. This is my first journey
1: well, into music. I lyrics. thought I had seen it before, but a lot of it was unfamiliar to me. So I think maybe I once walked in the room while my wife was watching it, walked out, and did the washing up, and came back or something as as like it was on in the background, maybe. So it was almost as if I was watching it for the first time, but some of it was familiar to me. I think I had seen the opening montage of Hugh Grant doing the eighties pop thing before and thought oh that's that's funny, it's Hugh Grant doing that thing um uh, that was definitely familiar to me, but um some of the story and that wasn't, but that might just be because the sort of the story bit of it is quite thin, but all of that peripheral stuff, all the touches that like that that make it what it is are the things you remember about it, right
0: yeah, it's a very basic film, which was kind of refreshing to watch. Um, in the, it doesn't really do a lot. It's very intimate and insular. They spend a lot of time at a piano in his apartment writing a song. Yeah. Um, which is actually quite nice. There's, there's not all of these big bombastic moments, um, in it. It's, it's much more, um, much more character focused, which I think is good. Um, it, it would be nice to have, more character in the character focus, I would say. Um, but it's a movie that doesn't set out to be this huge, bombastic movie. Um, and, and that's actually quite nice.
1: No, it's actually quite a simple story. And it happens over the course of only about a week, doesn't it? Which is quite a, a good setup, I think, for keeping things simple when you're putting this kind of film together. It's not some epic thing over time. It's just these two people had an interesting week and then they're in love now. Here you go
0: yeah it's it's nice it's nice um it doesn't overdo it um which is which is good which is good and Hugh Grant is charming
1: Hugh Grant Um, plays Hugh Grant in this film he's he's Hugh Hugh Grant.
0: Grant but this time he's singer Hugh Grant who used to be a member of a band called Pop uh very obviously based off Wham yeah um just yeah clearly clearly wham influenced um and their song that gets played a couple of times is a bit of a banger isn't it yeah like the, the made-up pop song
1: i'd say it's it's about number five or six in my my rotation of bangers at the moment somewhere beneath the the gay fish song from south park <laughs>
0: uh, above cheddar cheese girl
1: yeah but um <laughs> did you notice that the music was by adam schlesinger
0: I did not know, but he's one of your 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 friends. Yeah,
1: I talked about him on the show before. Friend of the show. God rest his soul. He died of COVID last year. I think I talked about it at the time. Um, Yeah, but he's a guy who he did the theme song to "That Thing You Do," which I have never seen. Have you seen that?
0: Uh, No, I don't think I have.
1: Which is, um, I think it was Tom Hanks' directorial debut um, in the '90s, and Tom Hanks wrote and directed it. Um, and I can't really even remember what it's about but it seems like the kind of thing that we would like so I think we should get on to that at some point but he did the song for that but he was also a member of Fountains of Wayne who is you know one of my favorite bands and his 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 CV is extremely impressive of all the musical stuff that he's been involved in but um, one of my particular favorites was um, the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for which he worked on a lot of the songs and it's a it's a sitcom that's really unique, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and we were actually thinking we were gonna me and my wife. We watched it together, and it's like a special show for us. We were thinking we were gonna rewatch it because we're in need of something uplifting, <laughs> and we're almost done with our rewatch of Parks and Recreation. Um, so we, we were thinking of rewatching that, and he did a lot of the songs from that that are really really funny, but also that really really fit the the show. And I feel like he was a real really genius, a real genius of producing songs that are. Funny and uplifting and engaging, but that really fit what, whatever he was making them for. And he was just a real genius. And I'm still really, really sad that he's dead.
0: Mm. No, it is, it is really sad. Um, yeah, it's, it's Fountains of Wayne obviously known for that one song. Um, but really their, their back catalogue is, is far superior to the, to the song that everyone knows them for
1: yeah oh, I and I like I think say. Stacey's mum is a good song it's a fun oh jam. yeah
0: yeah yeah it's a little little banger
1: but it's not their best song by by any means and um yeah the the I think a lot of their songs are co-written obviously with their, their front man Chris Collingwood who's a real legend and has done a lot of interesting other stuff as well he releases sort of solo-ish music under the name Look Park which is really good as well and well worth checking out um but yeah, Fountains of Wayne, they're sort of New Jersey power pop, and, and again, leaning towards that kind of soft indie rock poetry that I was talking about earlier with John K. Samson. I think Chris Collingwood has quite a lot of that that quality to it as well, of being really, really good, a good observational lyricist about sort of life and the things that make life poetic. But there's also some goofy songs in there as well, so you know I appreciate that. But yeah, Adam Schlesinger did... Um, Songs for Ice Age Continental Drift, songs performed by Jennifer Lopez and Peter Dinklage, music and lyrics Shallow Hal, which you know we keep talking about, we need to get around to that one as well. Um scary movie, Josie and the Pussycats, Art School Confidential, Fever Pitch and lots of others. But those are some some of the highlights of films that he's been involved in and loads of TV as well. So the man is a genius. And I think with this, it was a genius. And with this kind of film, music and lyrics, that's exactly the person you need to write the the sort of centerpiece songs. Because if if that, that opening montage with that Hugh Grant song, if that song is not good and doesn't work, this whole film is moot.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. You need... And, and there is a versatility, isn't there, to the, to the style of music that's played throughout this film, but it all comes back around to clearly coming from a similar voice. So you've got all of these various songs, but you can tell that they're by the same songwriter, which is exactly what you needed to showcase the lead character's sort of musical knowledge and ability. Um, because you kind of you're rooting for Hugh Grant because it makes it very clear about the limitations and and uh, of of who he is. So he's someone who's accepted his inability to write lyrics, but also accepted his inability to move on from where he was before and instead to, to continue churning out what he's been doing um, in this kind of stagnant place. Um, yeah. And that kind of comes across in the, in, you know, in the, in the song that they write. Um, but also again in in that through road through the various other things that happen so you've got a couple of his songs in there that both played at the end in different formats and it's it all it all feels like it's by the same songwriter doesn't it which I think was really important to make this film work
1: yeah especially f- for the idea of having a, a coherent character based around the idea of having been a musician it would have looked completely fake without it. Even with Hugh Grant doing his Hugh Grant thing, where he was perfectly at the age to be playing a washed-up musician, um, which I think was a you know a smart move. It doesn't work unless you actually get that bit of him appearing at the kind of school reunion gig in a in a Hilton hotel that he does now, where the song is clearly a rip-off of Careless Whisper.
0: Yes, yeah, it is just careless. And horse, he's careless
1: doing horse. that sort of slow bum-shaking, hip-moving dance. To it, and then he has to sit yep. down because he's tired. That was very funny. I appreciate. Yeah, he that.
0: hurts his hip, doesn't he? Because he does a little low lunge, and then he has to go and sit down because his hip's hurting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant.
1: But you, I know you're you're a big fan of Careless Whisper, so I hope you appreciated I am, that one.
0: I I, I did appreciate. It. I was like, oh yes, bit of fake Careless Whisper.
1: Yeah, um, it had the yeah, surprise sex.
0: Uh, uh, yes, yeah, it did. It did. What more can you ask for? Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so so I think Hugh Grant's character is is, uh, is Hugh Grant, but it works well for a Hugh Grant role, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you think about who else could have done it, really, it would have been a very different film with anyone else. And I'm sure there are any number of people of Hugh Grant's age and stature who would have fit the bill, but it feels like his films, doesn't it?
0: Yes, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, it um it 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 really fits him and the sort of age of the main character um fits who he is as well um and yeah it it just works quite well and then that allows him to then bounce off drew better very well who has a very different mindset has a different um difficult relationship with art um so they, they personify the music and the lyrics is the two things. And he is great at writing these memorable tunes, but is, is cynical about the industry as you should be. Um, it is a cynical industry <laughs> music. Um, and then she, she comes from the world of words and understands the power of words, but also has this, this backstory, which I think is not particularly well developed, but I like the fact that the sort of villain of the piece is a shithole literary fiction writer,
1: yeah <laughs> and creative writing teacher because there are actually a lot of those about and they don't get a lot of airtime in films <laughs> <laughs> not that we're speaking from <laughs> experience
0: um yeah, it's uh it's um <laughs> yeah no the our our our, our teachers were, were fine, but yeah our, our teachers in- were great. But talking in general about literary fiction authors who are shitbags, it's a, sp- it's a particularly virulent strain of arsehole, isn't it?
2: When yeah. You get
0: those literary fiction authors who are just complete bastards. And it's nice to see someone like that pinpointed in a movie. It's just, this person's a shitbag and it doesn't matter that his book has sold loads of copies because he's a horrible bastard who you should hate. Um, and I, I and I liked that. And I liked that scene where he basically gaslit her in real time about their relationship. Um, But I wish there'd be more in this film about her gaining her independence from that thought process. Yeah. And Um, unfortunately
1: it feels like all of the development of her character is only really in service to his character and his journey. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that.
1: And that's Um, a problem with a lot of these kind of films where it's just very much too much centered on the male character
0: yeah yeah um and i feel like it nearly gets there it has that one scene but it really needed that to be delved into deeper um because all it gets is a, a during credit sequence where it explains oh his film didn't do very well and that's it and yeah. like, you want a comeuppance for someone like that and you want there to be that catharsis for her and she never gets that catharsis
1: no the the, the credit sequence should have just been a loop of her kicking him in the balls
0: <laughs> yeah definitely I would have one hundred percent preferred that.
1: Um, But he was good. That guy. Who's that guy? Yeah, I recognised him.
0: Yeah. um, Campbell
1: Scott. Is that the guy? Um, But yeah, he did
0: just. But yeah, you wanted a little bit more of that. You wanted a little bit more development of her character. But also, Hugh Grant's character doesn't really get that much development either. uh, and it's not exactly a short. It's not exactly a short movie. This one. It's not the longest film that we've watched for this podcast. But
1: no. Um, but again, it it's, like it's in that like weird place where it's probably longer than it needed to be, but still doesn't really get to enough development for most of the characters.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it did need. It needed a little bit of something extra. It's quite a safe film, which I guess is. It's part of the issue with Mark Lawrence's other work as well. So we've watched another. We might have watched more than one of his movies on this on this um, podcast, actually. But
1: you know, he, he Miscongeniality. Did, um, we did that, didn't we? Yes, yeah. So
0: he he wrote Miscongeniality, um, and then oh, actually, no, we might have only done Misconvenient Geniality. But there's other movies that we will no doubt talk about at some point. So Two Weeks Notice is one that I'm mm. sure we will cover. Um, did you hear about the Morgans as well? It's another one that I I. Expect us to cover at some point because it is apparently a bit of a shit piece. Oh yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. So it's about people who uh, it's Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker, and they um, they're in the witness protection program and they get threat- sent to some small town place, um, and apparently it's it's truly awful, <laughs> which uh, which it, it intrigues me. I'd like to see it at some point.
1: Okay, um, conceptually, I don't I don't object to that.
0: No, no. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it, all of the movies of his that I've seen are all very, very structured, very safe romantic comedies that don't really take those risks and don't really steer away from the structure of a rom-com that you're expecting. And I think music and li- lyrics really falls into that category where they unexpected duo come together gain an understanding together start falling in love they have the sexy sex and then for some reason they fall apart but then they all come together at the end with a big uh, emotional moment which glosses over all of the
1: problems Yeah. Um, but what this has that all of the similar films like that don't have is a young pop star who's sort of a bit like Shakira who has like sexy Buddhist guys dancing in her music videos (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: yes, yeah. Um, and this was the debut of an actor who I absolutely love, uh Hayley Bennett. Uh so this was, I think, her first movie role. Um mm-hmm. and uh she's brilliant. I don't know if you've seen anything else that she's been in.
1: Um I have seen The Girl on the Train, which she was in. I thought she was very good in that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um she is in a brilliant movie um that came out last year called The Devil All the Time um which is an ensemble sort of period drama crime piece um set in like post-war America um with everybody it's got everybody in it so it's got um Bill Skarsgård it's got Tom Holland it's got um Sebastian Stan, Riley Keo, Jason Clarke, Robert Pattinson Oh, all of your um, guys it's got it, it's got literally everybody in Hollywood in it and it's this wonderful thriller really grim, really dark but this excellent story and she's in that and is is excellent in that um and also in a a great film called swallow which we'll have to talk about at some point probably in halloween month because Mm. i feel like that's the closest place for it to sit um where um she's it's kind of a drama about her relationship with her husband and she's she's pregnant but then she's got this compulsion to eat dangerous objects
1: right um, okay and
0: it's all about their control over her what that does to her her mindset what that does to her compulsion um and whether it's actually whether they're helpful whether they're deliberately trying to force her down a dangerous path it's a great movie really interesting and her performance in that is is incredible um so it was very odd seeing her turn up in this as this sort of uh uh, uh bad stereotype of a pop star I suppose and she brings a lot of humour to it and I think it's very funny but there's, there's slight moments where I'm like mm, you're kind of pretending oh this is a, a a stupid blonde pop star woman
1: Can we also and just a- note that she's in a relationship with Joe Wright, the director who is most famous for directing the ship piece 2015 film Pan of course
0: <laughs> Oh really? Well <laughs> then
1: Which I've definitely um, seen Have you? No <laughs> it looks awful
0: um that's the that's the Hugh Jackman one isn't it
1: yeah yeah
0: um yeah um yeah no but but she's yeah she's brilliant and it's really odd to see her at such an early point in her career but it does bring a I, I didn't necessarily like her character and I thought it was a bit maybe sexist is too strong a word but I think there's a particularly it's it's a bit unsavory the way that it sort of goes oh this is a dipsy ditzy young blonde pop star, of course she's not going to know what she's talking about. It's a bit like, mm, not too sure about the depiction of her like this.
1: Yeah. Um, It's very stereotypy. And this film was made in 2007, which is really a lifetime ago when you think about it.
0: It is a very long time ago. Um, I was thinking that. I was thinking, oh, Hugh Grant looks a bit old in this and then realized, God, this is a long time ago, nearly 15 years ago now.
1: Um, and, uh, yeah, but, which yeah. is why he's now playing old villains. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, I don't know if you know, if you saw this, but, uh, Hugh Grant is going to be
1: in the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Wait, rewind. There's a new Dungeons and Dragons movie.
0: There is a new Dungeons and Dragons movie. They're planning to release it next year. Um, it is starring Chris Pine. I think is going to be like the lead.
1: He's um, going to be the dungeon. Hugh Grant's so going to be the be dragon. The
0: dungeon. Um one of the guys from that show that you love um uh, Bridgerton
1: uh, oh, yeah. is
0: going to be the other uh, another main character.
1: Sexy Jane Austen. Um, so
0: he'll be the dragon. Okay. Um and yeah, so so uh, yeah, there's going to be a Dungeons and Dragons movie and yeah, Hugh Grant's going to be in it.
1: He is 60 years old. I genuinely did not know that.
0: Oh man. I bet he still looks handsome though.
1: Of course he does. Um,
0: but yeah, it's, it's, it's shaping up to be quite interesting. So the, the, the woman who plays, um, the young girl in it, um, oh yeah, is going to be in it as well. Um, and Michelle Rodriguez is going to be in it too. So yeah. it's, it's going a pretty, pretty hefty cast. So, I far. mean,
1: Jeremy Irons will always be the iconic dungeon.
0: <laughs> he will always be the iconic, iconic dungeon. You're right. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see to see how it goes. See how it
1: goes. We should watch the other Dungeons and Dragons film at some point. I feel like that's that's definitely a shit piece.
0: Oh oh, undoubtedly. Do you think it counts for this podcast? Is there enough
1: romance? I don't in know. It? I'd have to do some research.
0: <laughs> there, there is. I remember there being romance in it. Um, I also uh remember that the lead is played by the guy who played uh the. The photographer in Superman TV, in the Superman TV series. <laughs> do you, do you remember the, the Lois and Clark TV series that was on when no. we No. Um, with, uh, Dean Kane as Superman. No. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the, lead in the, in the Dungeons and Dragons movie played Jimmy Olsen in that. you know, like, that is the, that is a strong lead actor to choose. Um, Marlon Wayans is also in it
1: yeah yeah
0: um thora birch and obviously jeremy irons that's a Um, that's
1: a good cast actually
0: i mean you use that in a different way it could be an incredible cast Yeah,
1: a good cast for a sort of what early 2000s kind of film
0: yeah yeah um yeah marlon wayans thora birch and jeremy irons i think that's a really good standing to put together a a good a good movie
1: They could have put together a good music and lyrics, couldn't they?
0: They, they really could have. They could have. Um, Marlon Wayans is
1: sitting there at the piano, or would it be Jeremy Irons as the washed-up old guy? (laughs) Is it funnier if it's actually like a young washed-up guy?
0: Yeah, I think a young washed-up guy would be good. Uh, And maybe, maybe we reverse it, and maybe Jeremy Irons is the lyricist, and he's the flower man.
1: Oh yeah. Or,
0: or maybe he's like the pizza delivery guy, and he comes in and it's like. Hey, pepperoni for you. And then he's doing a little thing and he's like, I got your pepperoni pizza. Oh, yes,
1: I do, sir. <laughs> While I'm Wayne's is like, Hey, you sit down.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've got to, you've got to sing me, got to sing me a song, Pizza Man.
1: Yeah. I could, I could, I could see that.
0: Yeah. Well, music and lyrics remake, but actually it's about a tender friendship between uh, a, a, a youngish, songwriter and and an old old man who delivers pizza
1: and we will give jeremy irons the proper time on his character to develop why he's delivering pizza and does he really love pizza and some stuff about the love of the pizza joint and whatever
0: yeah he got he got blindsided by his love of pizza and has got stuck in this job because he just loves getting a one free slice of pizza a day
1: Maybe he used to run the pizza joint with his best friend and then they fell out and now his best friend runs the pizza joint next door and his son's coming back from college or whatever and there's going to be a pizza war.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they've got to write the theme tune <laughs> to the advert that's going to be on to to win over all of the custom.
1: Yeah, this definitely needs to <laughs> to tag itself onto the Little Italy universe.
0: <laughs> Little Italy is such a... <laughs> Man, that movie's going to stay with me, I think.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's a pizza shit piece. <laughs> pizza <Pete> shit piece. <laughs> a shit pizza. Oh, no pizza shit, though. I think
0: we've talked about this before, that there is no bad pizza.
1: Yeah. That's not a challenge, but yes, in ge- generally speaking. Don't, like, yeah. mail us bad pizza now, you will Mail me
0: bad pizza. I will eat it. And I will say, no, this is good pizza. Because all pizza's good pizza. You take a, a cream cracker, you put some tomato puree on it, and a slice of cheese. <laughs> Still a good pizza. You
1: grill it until it's <laughs> Chuck blackened. It under the grill. <laughs>
0: Chuck it under the grill. <laughs> Pop it in the microwave until it's a a, a molten mess. Still a good pizza.
1: <laughs> Which is like romantic comedies, right?
0: <laughs> what? There's no bad romantic comedies? Yeah. No. I. There are only ones
1: hate. that are less good. <laughs>
0: I severely disagree with that statement. There are some <laughs> terrible romantic comedies.
1: Yeah, but music and lyrics is like supermarket pizza, right? But maybe it's yeah, the nice yeah. one. You know, it's like the Tesco finest one. It's not the cheap one. a way you're like, it's still a supermarket pizza. So this is never going to be as good as like a nice takeaway one or one you might get from an Italian restaurant or like a proper family-run pizza joint. But it might actually be okay on a tuesday night and you might feel a little bit fancy
0: yeah it's it's a stuffed crust isn't it you you go down the aisle and you're like oh you know what i feel like a pizza tonight i don't feel like just a normal pizza let's go let's go all in and let's um let, let's get a nice stuffed crust
1: yeah and then oh, you bite wow, into that's... the crust and you're like oh it's stuffed here's another song i didn't expect that now it's it's stuffed with careless whisper
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what? One of the best things you can get is when you have a, you have a stuffed crust pizza and, and often you'll get a stuffed crust pizza and it won't really taste of anything. Yeah. Um, and that's always disappointing, but then sometimes you get the stuffed crust pizza and that stuffed crust tastes of something. And that's always the best thing. We're just like, dear God. A stuffed crust that's actually tasty.
1: They've used some actual real cheese in it instead of that rubbery. You know, sometimes you get a bit of rubbery cheese in a stuffed crust. That's not good, is it?
0: No, no. It's uh, it's uh, it's never good when that happens. Um, no. So yeah, yeah. No, G- give us more good stuffed crust pizzas. That's what you yep. can send me. Send yeah, me a pizza. Please send pizzas, us those. But also send us your yeah,
1: stuffed crust pizzas. We accept the challenge of eating the bad pizza.
0: Yeah, challenge accepted. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> this,
1: yeah, in these hunger games. <laughs> He's yeah. very hungry and he needs pizza now.
0: Yeah, I'm hungry. I want pizza. Give me your pizza.
1: <laughs> Maybe this whole show is just a ruse to get people to send us pizza. We spend nearly 200 episodes building up a fan base who, are, who like us enough and who are insane enough to send us pizza in the mail, and then we eat it.
0: Yeah, that's... The- <laughs> That's what we're slowly transitioning into, is uh, big boys eat pizza.
1: I genuinely would love to do that.
0: <laughs> we could be a pizza review channel.
1: Yep, or the each, supermarket each, ones.
0: Each week, or maybe each fortnight to avoid me just dying of too much pizza, each each fortnight we we go through a different pizza so we can go through Pizza from from takeaways like Domino's or Pizza Heart, We can then go through through supermarket ones as well. Um, and yeah, we can we can we can do that. We can
1: do it. You can die of too much pizza. It's a very real threat.
0: It is. It is the number one killer of big boys who do podcasts.
1: Yep, poor well proof. Uh, so we've got no, to watch ourselves.
0: <laughs> there's no science behind it,
1: but um, but I I, but I think I've had enough expert. of experts.
0: I think we've all had enough of experts yeah um
1: <laughs> which is why it's refreshing to see someone who can't write lyrics in a film he's not an expert yeah, exactly. in anything is he
0: he's no he can't do anything apart from play the piano nice
1: yeah and come up with some some nice melodies and you know he can record a nice demo in his in his flat and then go and listen to it in a helicopter park on a disc man <laughs> which really dates it doesn't it
0: it really does um i like to think that it's just it's just a um just someone who loves retro stuff and it's like no i'm going to listen to it on a disc when you've recorded it and put it on a cd for me
1: yeah because at that um, point the i the ipod was was king wasn't it 2007
0: yeah 2007 by that point people had mp3 players you know
1: that was the point um, at which I was always carrying around my phone and my iPod at the same time, which oh, was yes, the problem yeah. that Steve Jobs wanted to solve when he created the iPhone.
0: Yeah, that, that is the only reason that the iPhone was invented was Steve Jobs was there and his trousers were too tight and he's getting annoyed <laughs> at having yeah. too many bulges in his pockets. He could and feel he like, the
1: iPod oh. just tickling the, the, like the bottom of his turtleneck and he was like, what the hell? I can't deal with this. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that, that, and, and we will forever love him for that. But yeah, I used to, I used to have a, um, I used to have a, uh, uh, it wasn't an, an iPod. I had another MP3 player. Um, and, um, and yeah, then you had your phone as well. Yeah. Strange days.
1: Imagine that.
0: Young whippersnappers.
1: Yeah. No idea. You know, now you're born.
0: <laughs> Back in our day, we used to have... <laughs> back in in our
1: day in 2007 films like music and lyrics were made on a budget of 40 million and made 145 million at the box office (laughs) back in my day imagine that That that's crazy money
0: oh man I wish I had 140 million dollars
1: me too you could buy a lot of pizza for that I could buy a lot of pizza for that um, but this, if they were making this kind of film now, they this would be just kind of t- like one of those Netflix films and it wouldn't be Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore, would it?
0: No, it would be Drew Hunt. <laughs> and I can't think of...
1: Michael Barrymore.
0: <laughs> Michael Barrymore, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah but yeah, I this
1: feels it. like a very 2007 romantic comedy, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. It's a... Uh... <sighs> It's a pre-Bridesmaids rom-com,
1: isn't it? Yep. And I think... That's how we divide things up, sort of pre... Before Paul Feig.
0: Because I do think... I don't want to overstate the importance of Bridesmaids, because I don't think it is a cultural touchstone in that way. But I think it showed a slight change in mindset towards female-centric movies... Yeah. Where you could go, you know what? We can put jokes into this that will make people laugh about grotesque things. And we can talk about adult subjects. Um, and we can show people enjoying sex. Um, yeah
1: none of which, which are which? present in films like music and lyrics and going back to what we said earlier about it being male centric you're you're right that that's a real a bit of a cultural touchstone for that and that Drew Barrymore gives a fantastic performance and she's really really engaging but her character isn't given that development even though she has quite a lot of screen time and probably more screen time than a lot of similar characters who are just there to to build up the the male lead's story it still doesn't quite get there does it
0: no, no, that's a thing it 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 kind of it it just doesn't make it, does it? It just shuffles along is quite content to give you do you the sort of heartwarming moments of togetherness, but it never um it never really challenges you in any way, does it? No. Um and you know maybe that's what you're after. You might be after that.
1: Exactly, um, you know, you you don't go into a film like this expecting to be to be massively challenged or for it to turn your world upside down, do you? It's a, you know, it's a nice film that you watch just, you know, to to watch something. You know, it's it's easy. This is this is for an easy evening, isn't it? It's not the evening yeah, where you're sitting yeah, down. And you're going to go. I want to watch Parasite, or
0: <laughs> no? Have you watched Antichrist Parasite yet,
1: or something? No, I haven't. Oh, it I've is. I've heard nothing but good, good things.
0: It is obscenely good. I love that movie. Um, one of those things that really lives up to the hype.
1: That's great. I love that. And Bong Joon-ho is such a cool guy. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: have you have you watched many of his movies?
1: Um, only Okja, I think. And oh, there was okay. a thing of his where it was like short films that I watched like years and years ago that was really good.
0: Um, so you've not watched Snowpiercer?
1: No, again, heard nothing but good things about that
0: because that is uh, that is extremely good. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's, uh, that's a that's a wonderful movie.
1: Yeah, he just comes across as a really fun and like really interesting guy.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: Who's not afraid to laugh at himself, but also to poke fun at film and the industry in general. And you know, talking about subtitles and people finally you know giving it an Oscar to a subtitled film in a very candid and funny way, you know, I appreciate that,
0: yes, yeah, for sure, for sure um and uh yeah it's 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 great to see a movie like Parasite really being being thought about as one of the best movies, you know, not just of the year but of the of the decade of the of the millennium so far, um because it's a really challenging interesting movie that's also goes in unexpected places as well y- you won't guess where the film's going when you start watching it and i think it's so rare to get something like that um which is which is brilliant so yeah go go watch music and lyrics because it is a fun little movie but also if you've not seen parasite yet
1: go watch parasite
0: yeah do. that's my homework to our listeners and
1: to you paddy nice no, setting me homework
0: um, yeah You're a harsh, harsh master. So, so in terms of other movies that came out in 2007, um, it's a quite interesting year actually because you had um, angry man movies like No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood.
1: Oh yeah, Um, gruff angry man, gruff man movies. Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Gruff man movies that are there to make you think, or not. In the case of No Country for Old Men, which I stand by being a really overrated film. Yeah, come, come at me, internet. I've got <laughs> no time for No Country for Old Men. It's got a
1: very good soundtrack.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't like it anywhere near as much as other people do. Um, But you've got Ratatouille as well. Never seen it. You've not seen Ratatouille? No. Is it, is it Disney or Pixar? It's a Pixar.
1: I think it's the only Pixar film I haven't seen. Jesus Christ, man. I don't really like rats, if I'm honest.
0: What about Chefs?
1: Chefs, I'm okay with. So, Chefs, I generally like, so, especially if they're making pizza.
0: Yeah, so I think a rat chef then is going to end up at around six out of ten on your in your in your rankings.
1: If I you suppose so. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm open to it. I'm just it's not high on my list of priorities.
0: Um, but then you also had super bad as well.
1: Ah, we should get around to that at some point.
0: I am McLovin. funniest shit ever.
1: <laughs> funniest shit i've seen
0: funniest shit i've seen uh it's and- got it's
1: got an australian no it's a hawaiian driver's license
0: <laughs> yes yeah that's right <laughs> um hot fuzz as well was
1: 2007 Ah, oh, nice um
0: and uh, uh a little movie called spider-man 3
1: oh which, which is a a dance musical
0: which is <laughs> a dance musical. Um, I was talking about this the other day. We should do an episode where we watch all three of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies because they are romance heavy. They and, are, yeah. Which I, I think is think, something
1: I really appreciated about them at the time.
0: Yes, yeah. They really d- dived into the relationship of, um, of Peter and Mary Jane in a way that very few, um, superhero movies do. Um, so, so yeah. Well, i stand those films i think they're great
1: yeah um, especially the first one with the chad kroger song <laughs> yeah exactly exactly
0: um but then we also had uh knocked up in 2007 uh-huh. so it kind of showcases the the, the direction that that sort of romantic comedies were going to go in sort of that's quite these... a
1: good range of films, uh, yeah. interestingly. I think oh, this is this is just, just before the financial crash as well. You've got to think before the mm. credit crunch and all of that stuff. So really, it was probably a lot easier to get a film made at the time and people were taking more risks in a way. You know, It's not the same as the Netflix churn, which we always end up comparing things to now to sort of bring things back to the present. But it's yeah, it's an interesting time and a lot of the films that, like this that come out of it are good because they're made by good people and have a lot of great actors in them and have things like music by adam schlesinger where actually you look at this film and you think if you haven't seen it you're thinking it's probably just some generic rom-com from the mid 2000s mid to late 2000s but actually it is a slight step above that and is worth your time and even though it's the kind of thing that looks like it's going to be rubbish it's actually pretty good for those for those reasons
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, if if you wanted a a chance, if you wanted a, an indicator of how many risks people were willing to take in for movies released in 2007, you know, this is before we started truly churning out just marvel movie sequel after marvel movie sequel for instance yeah um someone paid michael haneke to remake one of his most brutal movies in english with no real other changes because it's the year that his remake of his own film funny games came out (laughs) which is (laughs) both the least useful remake and one of the most interesting sort of things to appear have you ever seen either funny games it's probably the least johnston movie um, <laughs> it's it's the least Paddy Johnston movie there's ever been. So basically, um, these two people break into a, cu- a into a family's house, um, and then torture and kill them. And the whole point of it is, it's a metaphor of basically saying to the audience, "You watching this, you hogs, you sick hogs," <laughs> and that that's kind of the <laughs> whole point. Is it, it's all about um,
1: right? It's all about- is it slightly towards than the the Lars von Trier end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, but, but it is more intelligent than anything Lars Trier has ever made. Um, where, but yeah, it's very much a sort of, uh, a critiquing people who watch violent movies. Um, if you got your rocks off watching the Saw films, Michael Haneke hates you is basically the message. Um, right. And, and so they're very interesting. But yeah, so he made funny games back in 1997. And then basically a decade later, he was like, I'm going to make exactly the same movie, but in English. And just did it. Um, right. Uh, and yeah but but yeah it, it, you're right actually it is a kind of era before is before the financial crash and before all of the issues that came out of that and and there was this real step back wasn't there in terms of being safer with films um and so yeah it's it's interesting i never really thought about it that way but it's it's you see that real divergence of thought and divergence of movie types back then and then it did get reeled in and things did become a little bit more conservative um yeah, when are you going to let Michael Haneke remake one of his movies in another language? Come on, <laughs> come on, Hollywood!
1: <laughs> and that's not to say that music and lyrics isn't basically a conservative film because it is. It's not dangerous. There's nothing edgy about it. But it it just it comes from a different time, and I think that's I think that's interesting, and it's something that's actually enjoyable to watch. Or maybe I just like looking at people listening to music on a discman because that's what I used to do.
0: Yeah, I want to see Michael Haneke remaking music and lyrics.
1: I think if you dislike the, um, if you dislike Hugh Grant, then this is not a film for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, definitely not. Definitely not. It is a, it is a Hugh Grant heavy movie. Um, and he is full on Hugh Grant in this film as well.
1: Yeah. But if um, you like Hugh Grant and you haven't seen it, then it's a treat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're going to no, love it. It. Uh, it is. It is. Um, there are
1: lines like, um, can, can I be honest with you? And he says, of course not. You're my manager. I would have to fire you on the spot. Yes. It's very, which is a very Hugh Grant line.
0: I, I like how Hugh Grant's movie career has gone from bookstore owner to prime minister to songwriter. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's very, the, the, the script is very focused around his style of humor and I think it works very well, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, whoever wrote it. Did um our man Mark Lawrence also write it? Yes. Yes he, he did. did. He so did. fair play to him. I think he knew what he was working with. Yes. So good yeah. for you. Good for you, Mark Lawrence.
0: Yeah. So have you have you got anything else you'd like to say about music? No, music? I I
1: think I think we've we've covered everything, haven't we? It's um it's a fun little film from the mid to late two thousands with fun songs by Adam Schlesinger. God rest his soul. Yes,
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. Um so just a little bit of trivia from me before we before we wrap up. Um so as a child Hugh Grant took piano lessons from Andrew Lloyd Webber's mother. Um Wow. Uh, uh but at some point he stopped and forgot what he'd learnt, but because of the them doing this movie, he taught himself how to play certain bits of it so that he could they could show his hands playing the piano. Which is nice. nice.
1: I mean there's no Ryan Gosling in La La Land, obviously, but
0: White Man Saves, saves Jazz. Yeah, exactly.
1: With his magical hands.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, oh, I hated that film so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then Go listen
1: to episode... It's like episode four. Of it's very early on, isn't yeah. it?
0: Um, you've got... Um, uh, obviously, you know, pre- previously mentioned, this was Haley Bennett's feature film debut and I think did a bang up job. Um, yeah. Go and watch other stuff she's been in. She's been in good stuff.
1: Um, yeah, she's very good. Uh,
0: and also, some of his dance moves uh, are similar to his dance moves in love, actually.
1: When he's <laughs> I thought you were going to say similar to his dance moves in real life.
0: <laughs> similar to his dance moves in real life. If you ever catch Hugh Grant on the dance floor, um, is uh, yeah, that, that, that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing.
1: Yeah. But yes, he was definitely channeling Hugh Grant in love, actually. Yes. By yeah, being sure. Hugh Grant in music and <laughs> lyrics.
0: Sure. Um, and a little Adam Sandler fact for you. He has the same what? birthday as Hugh Grant. Um, no way! September the 9th and obviously both of them have starred with Drew Barrymore in films.
1: Of course, yeah. Does that mean we can make September our Adam Sandler month? <laughs> Maybe, Sand-tember.
0: yeah. If nothing else comes up, we'll do Santember.
1: I still think sandler is a funnier <laughs> month, but it we've, that month has passed. So. It, is,
0: it is funnier, but um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh it's it's also going to be a proper uh mouthful to say which kind of makes you want to do it more sandluery
1: yeah i like that sandluery
0: <laughs> oh dear um but yeah right how are we going to how are we going to rank this bad boy
1: uh let's see how many years has it been since you had a hit in the charts as Hugh Grant, assuming Ooh. you're you're in this situation, you're the washed-up singer who hasn't had a a chart song. Went how many years has it been?
0: So it's been a, a been a solid twelve years since my last hit.
1: Yeah, I I I would agree with that. I I think I'm in a similar place. Yeah, you know, yeah, six out of ten, twelve out of twenty. It's yeah, it does what it says on the tin. But there's a lot to to like about it and a lot of fun and engaging stuff. So. Yeah, you know, put it on for an easy watch. Why not?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a comfortable movie, isn't it? You're not gonna, um, you're not gonna uh, feel disheartened by this film, but it's also not going to change your
1: life, is it? No, but avoid it if you hate Hugh Grant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely do that. Um, right. So up next, um, I didn't yes, come. It's in- your choice. It is my choice. I didn't come into this with a a choice of my of my own, which is because I've had a, a monster week and I've not been able to think of anything, but I have decided on something. Um so you have a choice between Ooh. an animated movie or an animated movie. So animated movie one or animated movie two?
1: Uh oh, well that's not really a choice, is it that's a flip of the coin. Or do you mean an animated movie?
0: <laughs> no, I mean an animated movie. <laughs> animated movie. Okay.
1: <laughs> animated movie. I'll take Animated Movie 2.
0: Oh, so unfortunately you've missed out on Ratatouille. I was going oh. to get you to fill in <laughs> did that Did you just void. add that one in there
1: because it came up during the show? I <laughs> did,
0: yes. <laughs> um, but another iconic animated movie also came out in 2007. Um uh, B movie.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> the the film that is the most memed film of all time. <laughs> the Most
0: meme filmed of all time. Um <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld is a bee.
1: Jerry Seinfeld's masterpiece.
0: Is <laughs> a bee called Barry B. Benson. Um yeah, that's what we're watching. Thank you for choosing movie two, because I've never seen it, even though it's so heavily memed.
1: Yeah, I've never seen it either, strangely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that- that actually does surprise me. It seems like exactly the kind of movie
1: you'd watch. Yeah, maybe if it's no good, we'll have to fire Jerry Seinfeld from the cast of our forthcoming film, Lit Men.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll have to kick him out, <laughs> replace him with Hugh Grant.
1: Hey, he, he'd do a great job. He would do a great job. He can do lit.
0: Yeah, he could do lit and he can do men. So he's a perfect choice. Yeah,
1: he is a lit man.
0: <laughs> lit man. <laughs> but that's the right. prequel, Lit Man.
1: Oh, and it's just him. Yeah. Before he finds his buddies.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Very good. Oh, I'm, I'm quite excited about that. That's going to be great. Yeah. I'm
0: sad that I haven't forced you to fill in the, the gap in your Pixar, um, library, but at the same time, B movie. Come on.
1: (laughs) At the same time, B movie. (laughs) (laughs) movie that's the theme tune um, yeah so thanks a lot for tuning in we really really appreciate it hope you enjoyed music and or lyrics hopefully both at the same time um, you can find us on Twitter at big boys don't pod you can get in touch with us um, on the email big boys don't at gmail.com love to hear from you do you like music and or lyrics
0: yeah what do you prefer music or lyrics?
1: Yeah, you can only pick one.
0: Yeah, one or the other. What would you do? Would you go with lyricless music or musicless lyrics?
1: Yeah, we want to know. We'll run an important poll. (laughs) Um, And please remember to rate, comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Helps more people find the show, etc. But thanks a lot for listening in. You're very good and we love you. And we'll be back next week to talk about B-Movie.
0: Alrighty, bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Fuck's sake, buddy.